So um, uh, thank you, Leonard, for, for uh, leading us in communion and uh, for you doing a great job with, uh, with welcoming people. I am going to uh, continue the series that I started on the truth about marriage. And uh, do me a big favor. If you um, have gleaned some good uh, information or that it's been beneficial for your relationship in marriage or even in your relationship going into marriage, um, can you do me a favor and next week on your Connect card, just put something down there so that I can kind of take that away and uh, give God praise for, for his amazing word and, and what it does to our lives. Uh, that will be real helpful for me if, if you'll do that. We, you can't do it right now because the Connect cards have already been picked up, but you can do it next week. Um, so we, we, we started by laying this foundation about marriage from, from God's word because the uh, institution of marriage is under attack. And the way that God sees marriage is not the way that the, 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 the secular world is uh, I, defining marriage. Have you noticed that? And so I wanted to go to the premise of, uh, of you know, the first man and woman and find from that the foundation that uh, marriage is God's idea. It's God's design. And it's God's plan. That was the first thing that we talked about. And then it was perfect in the garden. And some of you might even say, my marriage was perfect, perfect for a day. <laughs> and then you say, what happened, right? And we found out that there's an entity in the playing field of life that doesn't play fair, and he's cunning and crafty, and shrewd. In other words, by shrewd, I mean he, he, he doesn't care about your well-being. His whole intent is to destroy your life. Um, John 10.10 answers that. You know, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And God brought Jesus into our lives so that he could give us life and life more abundantly. Amen? So, so there's an enemy. I wanted you to understand that because if your marriage is under attack, you can... You can go back to the word and say, that's what his word says, but there's one who is in me who's greater than he who is in the world. And I have authority over the devil. I don't have power over him. He's got power that I don't have, but I got authority in the name of Jesus. And Jesus has more power than the devil. Amen? So I wanted us to grab a hold of that. And then I wanted to move into the next uh, part, which was every, every wife has a need and every husband has need, a need as well. Um, there I go, needs, there's a flesh, right? And from that, we find that uh, if you can meet the need of a husband, meeting the need of a wife, which is for her to be loved, that's an umbrella, right? And then uh, from that love stems a lot of qualities that make a marriage real strong. And then the need of a man is for him to have respect. And from that umbrella, there's a lot of, of qualities that uh, people call needs, but they actually fall underneath that respect umbrella. And then you find that marriages are strong and they thrive. So the whole thrust of my message has been, God didn't call our marriages to survive. He called our marriages to thrive. And there's a difference. There's a difference between a, a marriage that is just surviving and a marriage that is thriving. 
Uh, I think marriages that are thriving are beacons of hope to a society that's in trouble. And our, our, our society is in trouble. I, I said this to someone the other day. I said, if, it's, a, it's a ship now. You know, turning a boat around is easy. A boat, you know. Turning a ship around is a lot more difficult. Our ship is, needs to be turned around in, in America. And the way you're going to do it is in the home. And uh, the way that marriages go is the way that society goes. That's just a fact. I mean, the brokenness starts in the home and, and, the, and the, the, the health also starts in the home. So the, I wanted to just lay that foundation, but, but I, I, I thought I need to bring one more message. I could have brought two that affect marriages. And here, here are the two, and I'm, gonna, I'm only going to deal with one. Uh, finances or uh, the management of finances can affect a marriage. In fact, if you, if you manage your finances well, your marriage will thrive. If you don't manage your finances well, then your marriage will hopefully survive. A lot of marriages don't make it because they're financially in debt, and debt brings so much pressure, and people are, are dealing with, uh, with uh, the stress of debt. How many of you know that debt is very stressful? And, and, and you don't know if you're going to make it through, through the week or the pay period. And so many people live that way. And that's not God's intent. In fact, the, the Bible tells us that, the, that do not be a slave to the lender, right? Um, and gives us a lot of principles. And at Living Word Chapel, we offer financial classes throughout the year. And uh, we, by the grace of God, we're debt-free uh, at this campus and at the uh, the campus in the Copper Corridor. Thank the Lord Jesus for that. So, so it, it helps us to, to really be able to do things uh, from a whole different perspective. I want you to think even what happens to churches that are in debt. If a church is in debt, then you really, you, you try to be real careful about what you're going to say because you want people to give and you don't want to disturb them. I've, I've seen that in churches, but you know what? We don't have that problem. I can say whatever. <laughs> if you give, you give. It's between you and God. Amen. And by the grace of God, uh, he's been faithful to work in, in his people, and, and we have a very, uh, very healthy, healthy church. And so we're not going to talk about giving, but the other, the other subject that, that is vital to, um, to a marriage is intimacy. And by int- intimacy, I mean sexual intimacy. So uh, a, a thriving marriage is... Uh, is, is going to be an intimate marriage. And a marriage that is surviving usually has a lack of sexual intimacy. And, and here's the thing that's, that's incredible is that the, the, the Bible is not silent on, on sexual intimacy at all. But the church is. The world is not silent about sex, but the church is. And the Lord really placed in me years back that I needed to talk about it in a tactful and respectful way that honors God so that our children and grandchildren will hear it from God's perspective instead of from the world's perspective. I remember as I was growing up, um, you know, I I grew up in a, 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 we were not born again. We We didn't know Jesus in a relational way. We had religion, um, but we didn't have a relationship with Christ. As I was growing up in my household, 
And we had an aunt who was what I would say religious at that time, and she you know, walked with God. But any time that sex got brought up and she was in our presence, it was always a dirty word. And it was bad. Sex is bad. Sex is dirty. It's no good. And so then I didn't know Christ. I'm just going to be a little bit transparent here. And first time that I walked into that on-ramp, which was not good because I wasn't married, and went there, I said, man, she talked about sex being bad. It's actually pretty good. And, and, so, uh, and so that's how people are, right? They're, they're living their lives. If, if sex wasn't good, then people wouldn't be, they wouldn't be doing it. Well, yeah, that's the product of that. Thank you. Uh, if someone said they wouldn't be born. <laughs> yeah, very good. Uh, we got some real smart people in this church. That's not where I was going, but you are right. Every, every one of us have been infected by sexual intimacy in one way or another, right, if you're, if you're here. Yeah, my mom and my dad don't do things like that. Oh, yes, they did, at least one time. You're the product. You're the product of that venture. So it's a hot topic. We're going into a hot topic. But I want to lay a foundation, and I think the Lord is going to speak to us because I want to talk about the truth about sexual intimacy from God's perspective, and not the distortion of sexual intimacy from the world's pers- perspective and how the devil comes and, and, he, and he counterfeits, but he distorts and he actually makes, makes the good things of God a bad thing. So we got to go back to Genesis, and we, I want to start there, and then we're going to really end up in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. That's where, that's where I'm going. But uh, in... Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 and 25, that's been the foundational text of our series. And it says, for this reason or for this cause, a man... Now, I want you to process this. A man, because I laid this foundation already, but I'm going to re- reinforce it. A man being male, right, will leave his father being male and his mother being female and will cleave to his wife female and the two will become one, Right? And in and, and the first instance with Adam and Eve, um, they were naked and had no shame. So to them, intimacy with, with God and with each other. And I want, you to, I want you to think with me. God was in, they were in the presence of God. God knew everything that, that, that they were doing in their life. Everything was good. Everything was perfect. Their nakedness was not shameful. So the devil wants to skew that, and he does. And he brings shame into the things that are, that are beautiful in God's sight, right? You need to, you need to grab a hold of, of this as a premise, that they were, they, were, they were naked, had no shame, they were intimate, and it was good. Grab a hold of that. It was good. Then you, 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 look, you back up a little bit, and you go to... Uh, Genesis 1, verse 27 and 28, it says, God created human beings in his own image. In other words, there's something different about each person that's ever born than every other created thing. You're special because you're created in the image of God. There's something about each one of us that is incredible. In the image of God, he created them, and this is important, male and female. Now, God's not confused the way that society is about what your gender is. God's not confused. This is important stuff right here, beloved, because the devil wants to distort that. Okay, just grab a hold of that. 
uh, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Now, the only way you can multiply and be fruitful is by intimacy. And what I mean by that is sexual intimacy. So God sanctioned it. It's God's idea. It's from God. I, I could go into a lot of different things like our anatomy. Our anatomy is, is, it tells us that, that God put a stamp of approval on how we're supposed to function, not only relational, but also sexual. And that's, that's just how God ordained it. And, and we need to really look at it from, from, from the lens of God's word. He goes on, he says, fill the earth and govern it. So, so there's this authority that comes with, with this image of God that God has given man and women a responsibility to bring good into not only to their own lives, but into the earth in, as a whole. So you should be good for your community. Amen? Because of God in you. And the healthier your marriage is, the better you are for your community. And a part of being, uh, being healthy, a, bar, a part of that is that your intimacy and you're growing in your intimacy. Now, I'm going to say a lot of different things, and, and uh, let me, I can't get ahead of myself, so I, I don't want to go there yet. So even after the fall, even after the fall, even after they, they, they ate the forbidden fruit, they recognized, we're talking about the first man and woman, they recognized sexual intimacy as a gift from God. We read in Genesis 4.1, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife. The literal says that he knew his wife. He knew his wife. That's uh, how it says sexual uh, intimacy. And she became pregnant, the NLT says. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. You notice how she pointed to God? This sexual intimacy produced something wonderful. And, and those of us that have had children, don't we say thank God for our children? Even in their worst places, even, in, even when, they're, when, they're, when they're in the sticker patch and they're, they're doing boneheaded things, don't we still say thank God that you allowed for me to have this boy, that you allowed for me to have this daughter, love him? So, so we see that sexual intimacy is not bad, but instead it's the distortion and the abuse of sexual intimacy that becomes sin. Say amen if you agree with that. I'm going to bring scripture to help you, okay? Writer of Hebrews, he says this, marriage is to be held in honor among all. Let me tell you something. If you're not married, you need to get married if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you're even thinking about intimacy, thinking about sex in your, in, your, in your relationship. It says marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is undefiled. Your, 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 your bedroom activity, your fireworks... Your celebration in the bedroom is undefiled. It's wonderful to God. Who would want that not to happen? The devil. Who would want for you to break that, that trust and that commitment and go and have a relationship with someone else? The devil. Who would want you to, to not honor God and to, and to start sleeping together, to start having sexual intimacy together before marriage. Who would want that? Would God say, I applaud that? No, the devil, the enemy, and your flesh is weak. 
Your, your, flesh, your flesh will make you do things that are contrary to God. You will go over the threshold of, of, of what God calls sin. And this is, that's what's important. It's not what we call sin. The church isn't judging you. It's God Almighty, the good God that we serve. It's what he, 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 he goes on. He says, the, the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators. That's people that have having sex before marriage. And adulterers, God will judge. I'm not judging you. It's God. It's God's word. Why? Because in marriage, there's commitment, which builds trust, and there's covenant. And the only covenant that you find in the Bible is a covenant between man and God, and that's sealed with blood. It's a blood sacrifice that atones for our sins and brings us into this covenant relationship with our Father, that that, that. That covenant, that relationship that was broken is is restored through the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, the the only other covenant that there is in Scripture is a covenant between a man and his wife, and that's, that's a covenant of marriage, and there's blood involved in that too. When you have children, there's blood that is passed, and then these children have your DNA and your wife's DNA. And when you have children, there's a blood line. That's how important marriage is. It's not something that you do. I don't need. I don't need a piece of paper to 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 have a good relationship. Oh, you don't. You need more than a piece of paper. You need God. You need the covenant. You need, to, you need to go and, and, and take the steps to get married. So, so let me say this. Sex in marriage is good. It's undefiled according to God's word because it comes with his blessing and with commitment and with covenant. Sex outside of marriage is sin because it lacks the covenant relationship that God ordained it to be. Adultery in the same way is the breaking of the covenant and the commitment that is needed in healthy and thriving marriages. And let me say this, adultery doesn't just harm you, it harms every person that is close to you. Now, now, now let me say this, Jesus Christ came to restore people. So many people have made decisions that broke that covenant and, 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 and you are not too far gone for the mighty hand of God. He can love you and restore you and bring you back into the kingdom. But let me tell you something. You've got to say at some point in your life, there's a better way. I'm going to choose God's way. I'm going to choose to do it the way God designed relationships to be. But in this relationship, sexual intimacy has always been and should always be an integral part of a thriving Marriage, a sexless marriage is not a thriving marriage. Now, I'm going to talk about things that can happen because there are things that can happen in our lives that can, that can prohibit us from being intimate. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to change that. Strike that last part. Hear me. There are things that can happen in our life, whether it's physical health or just, just you know, mental health, emotional stress, that can inhibit, that can inhibit us being able to be sexual, but it should never inhibit our ability to be intimate. 
You with me? And, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that and bring it out. So where I'm going in my text is 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now what happened here is that the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church in, in, in uh, Corinth. And they have a lot of questions. They, they, they have a newfound faith with Jesus Christ. And they lived in a very immoral, sinful metropolis uh, there in, 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 in Greece. And in this city was a lot of sin. There was temple prostitution. Uh, this is the women, they had temple prostitutes. And these ladies would go out into the city. And they would draw the men back. And, and their worship was, was to have uh, sex with these prostitutes. And that was, it was just very, very sinful. That was just a part of everything. And so the, the Corinthians, they, they began to ask, you know, sex is so bad and it, 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 around us. And, it, it, you know, we just see how it's, def, uh, it's actually uh, uh, defiled, depraved. And so they wrote to Paul and they said, are we supposed to stop having sex even in marriage? It's exactly what the premise of, of the question is. So Paul responds and, and he helps them in the then and there. But it helps us too because sometimes Christians... I mean, you, you can get to the place where, where this, this relative of mine was where she thought of sex as bad. Now, that's never, never from God. Are you with me? That's why I laid the foundation. Now, now, let's go to the text real quick. So, Paul writing, verse 1, chapter 7. Now, regarding the questions you asked in your letter, and they asked a lot of questions, but he's going to address this one. Yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. Okay, he said, it, it's good. But... Because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife. In other words, I'm going to pause right there. What he's saying is that we all have a drive. Every, every human is born with, with a sexual drive. And, and we'll, we'll talk about the difference right now. But he's saying because if you, don't, if you don't meet that sexual drive God's way, then you're going to be falling into the trap of sexual immorality. That's exactly what, what he's trying to bring across. Because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. And the wife should fulfill her husband's needs as well. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. And notice what it says, for a limited time. And what the Word of God is telling us is that there are times that you need to go and, and seek God for, for uh, seasons of your life and, and because your intimacy with God is the most important intimacy you could ever have. The, more, the, the, the closer you draw to God, the better you are for people. The more God you have, the better you are for yourself. Okay, so he says, yeah, go and, and when you're going to spend time with God, whether you fast and, or, and, and you pray or you just go into prayer, uh, go ahead and refrain from, from any kind of sexual intimacy. Stop for a little bit, but, but just do it for the time that you're seeking God. And then he goes on and he finishes his thought. He says, for a limited time, so you can give yourself more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control, okay? After, after you've spent some time with God, then you need to come back again. How? Intimate. Sexual. 
Come back. Because if you don't, then the devil's going to try to get you. Amen? I say this as a concession, not as a command, but I wish everyone were single just as I am, yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. And, and, And let me just touch on that. So there are people that have been given the gift of singleness, and it's a gift from God where, where you're okay with, with, with not being married, but you're okay with, uh, even in a greater capacity, that, you, that your greatest gift is you have this relationship with God, and nothing, nothing disrupts that. Because when you're married, let me tell you, uh, your, your relationship with God gets disrupts. It's get, it gets disrupted, Amen. I want to go pray. My wife, my wife wants me to pick up the socks. Uh, I, she wants to go pray. I'm like, uh, babe, can you make tacos? You know, it gets disrupted. When it's just you and God, guess what? You make tacos if you want to. You don't have to. If you, you spend time with God, you spend time with God. Amen? So Paul is saying that, that's, that's a better way, but not everyone has that gift. Okay, so I got some takeaways, and hopefully they're going to help all of us in here, because I really prayerfully and very humbly came before God because this is a subject that I want to get right, and I want to honor God. I want to be very tactful as I talk about this subject, okay? The Bible teaches us, number one, that, only, that not only is sex good for and in marriage, it's also encouraged to build healthy and thriving marriages, Paul teaches that there is an innate, God-given sexual drive that men and women have. Now, there are differences in this drive for men and women. And maybe you'll agree with me on this. Men, for the most part, are visually stimulated. In other words, men get, something happens from what they see. They see a woman, go back to the very beginning, God brought Eve to Adam, and and Adam went, woo, I'm going to call her, whoa, man. (laughs) But but, but this is just the reality that, that, that men are sexually driven by what they see I'm going to give you some examples. Hence, there's a lot of money that's made with, um, in, in the pornography industry. Now, all of that is visual. Who spends the most money, men or women? Men. You can look at, you can look at the data. There, there's these places called uh, uh, topless bars. Who frequent the topless bars? Men. Now, if, if, if men were to put a, a bottomless bar for women, very few women would go. And the ones that would go would say, put your pants on. You know, get, go. What are you doing? What, what's wrong with you? Because women are not visually stimulated for the most part. Women are emotionally stimulated. Hence, lifetime. Who watches Lifetime? Men? When my wife says, hey, you want to watch TV? When you want to watch something? I said, yeah, yeah, let's do that. And then she says, well, I'm going to put a Lifetime movie on. I say, oh, Lord, anything but that. 
Or novels, you know, these, these, these novels, they talk about, you know, sensuality, and, 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 but they all build up, and, and women, women really are drawn to that. And, and they can be led, uh, you know, uh, in, in places just emotionally, right? So it's important, to, it's important to understand this. Both of those drives lead to the same destination. Where's that destination? The bedroom. We, we pray it's a marriage bed. But before Jesus came into my life and, before, you know, well, actually, when, when, when Christ put our marriage together and, and he worked it out when I was far from God. But our marriage was a mess because I didn't have Jesus as a centerpiece. But you need to understand that, that marriage has been given and, and sexual intimacy has been given for marriage so that, so that your relationship can grow and get better. And when you deprive each other of it, it doesn't get better. It hurts it. It's not God. You know, I'm going to read a little bit of of verse 2 and 3 again. He says, there is so much sexual immorality. That's why each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. And the husband should. You're called to fulfill your wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her, her husband's needs. Notice the should have his own wife and should have her own husband. That, that speaks about the monogamy of, of, of marriage. That marriage has never, has never been uh, 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 many wives and many husbands. It never, it's not poly, uh, uh, polygamous. It's monogamous, mono meaning one. How do, we, how do we know that? God's word. Anytime you find something different, it, it, it's not God's word. So, so these, these pastors that go, that go off and they lead people off and they start having sexual relationships with other women and, 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 and they, they lead cults. And, and it's always sexual. It's always a distortion of God's perfect design. Even in religions that are, that are out there, it's always there's a sexual distortion that begins to take place because that's where the devil dwells. Right? So, so the first part takes care of the drive, and the second part takes care of the need. Paul, Paul said, look around you. There's so much immorality. So it was sex outside of God's design was out of control in the first century. And how many of you would agree with me that sex out of God's design is out of control in modern society? It's out of control. God made a way for sexual intimacy to be experienced in marriage. Guess what? For his glory. For God's glory. So when you're intimate, not only is it good, but it glorifies God in marriage. You could, you could just be like, woo that was wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Right? And also say, it glorifies you, Lord. I, I love the way that Eugene Peterson put it in the marriage paraphrase. He put it like this. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. I want to emphasize good. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. 
The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Now, let me say this. How many of you view the marriage bed as something special because God is glorified when you satisfy each other? Or how many of you dread the marriage bed? How, how many of you just, just it, it's something that, 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 that really makes you think, oh, I, I don't know if I want to do this. This is it's just so, so much. It's another part that I'm adding to my life. Who is putting that thought in your life? And who is putting the thought in your life that marriage is good because it's from God? See, sexual intimacy is not our idea. It's God's idea. The writer of, of, of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, puts it like this. In, in Proverbs 5, verse 18 and 19. And this is what I want, well, before I even go there, you need to know that, that God's word is not silent about sexual intimacy. Read, read the Song of Solomon. It's filled. It's all over the place. In, in Proverbs, it says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. You, you see, God teaches me that my wife should be a blessing to me. I should be a blessing to her. Her body has been given to satisfy me so I don't have to go elsewhere to get satisfied. And vice versa, my body should be given to satisfy her so she doesn't have to go elsewhere to be satisfied. Whether that's physical or emotional. Because it doesn't ever start physical. It always starts emotional. There will always be someone that will give your spouse attention. There will always be someone that will find your spouse attractive. Even when you don't find them attractive. The, the devil is sly. Remember I said he's got the power to throw thoughts. And so your spouse who's not being intimate, goes other places, and the, and the devil puts a thought in that, that opposite sex. And they start to say, hey, you know what? He's such a nice guy. He's so, he's so funny. You think he's dumb, but she thinks he's funny. You think his jokes are boring. She's saying, oh, man, he's so funny. He's just... And the thoughts begin to go boom. Boom, throwing more thoughts, throwing more thoughts, throwing more thoughts. Then it becomes emotional. You start thinking about that person more and more and more and more because your spouse isn't giving you attention. And an emotional affair begins. And that's dangerous because emotional affairs lead to physical affairs. And once you go into a physical affair, you become one with that person. And everything that they have attaches to you. And all these things begin to happen in your life. You've got stress. You've got chaos. There's no peace of mind because God never intended that. Amen? God never intended that to happen. So, so here's the second thing. I want to I help you from God's word. Rejection. And I know that nobody in first service does this. I'm going to talk to second service about this. Rejection in sexual intimacy will destroy 
the trust and vulnerability that is so needed in healthy and thriving marriages. Let me tell you what destroys marriages. When a spouse is rejected, when they're so vulnerable to come and wanting to be intimate, and you go to your spouse and you initiate intimacy and you're shut down, it breaks trust because you're actually becoming very vulnerable. It, builds, it, it, it starts to, to break the trust that you should have. Your trust should be growing in marriage, not be, not be broken. And if it becomes a common thing, there's only so many headaches we can have. But the enemy, the enemy will play havoc. He, he, will, he will begin to do whatever it takes for you not to become intimate. Because in all reality, that, 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 that parallels your relationship with God. The devil doesn't want for you to be intimate with God. He doesn't want you to come open to God and, and be, share all your, your, your vulnerabilities. When you're vulnerable with God, you say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Look at me. I'm, I am so messed up. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need everything that, 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 that you have to make me the best person I could be for your glory. He doesn't want that, but he doesn't want for you and your wife or you and your husband to grow in intimacy as well. And every time you're rejected, every time you're rejected, it breaks your trust. And so Paul, Paul nails it, and, and it's the Holy Spirit leading Paul. He says the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. The wife should fulfill her husband's needs. See, it's not my neighbor's job to fulfill my, my sexual needs. It's not my person across the street. It's not a person down, downtown. It's not them. It's my wife. That's where adultery creeps in. It's not, it's not my wife having to go across the street or, or to the next door. It's not for, for, for that man to, to fill her needs. It's for me to fill that need. And then we grow in trust and intimacy. Paul says, don't deprive each other of sexual relations. Don't do it. It should be a common thing. Now, now your common might be once a month. You're, it's a sexless marriage. If you look for the definition of a sexless marriage, it's a person or a couple that, that, that uh, does not have sexual relations at least once a month. And you're, you're categorized as a sexless marriage. Now, did you know that, that uh, sexless marriages, the stats are that only uh, 50% of those marriages make it, they end up in divorce? Beloved, God doesn't want you to become a statistic. That, that's why Paul is so adamant. Don't deprive each other of this very important thing. And when you do, you have to agree to refrain for intimacy only for a limited time so that you can give yourself to, to God in prayer, completely to prayer. So, so really, that's what you're doing. When, when, you, when you separate from each other, you're saying, I'm going to get closer to God and, and by, the, by, by his grace. And this is beautiful because I've, see, I've experienced it, that there are times in our life where we've actually separated for, for times of prayer, and it, it actually drew us closer together. It drew us closer together after that time because when you spend time with God, you're good for everybody especially your marriage partner. Are you with me? But afterward, you should come together again so that that, that devil won't be able to tempt you because you will have 
a lack of self-control. And, and he's, he's speaking to everybody. Do you know how many pastors have fallen because of marital unfaithfulness? Do you know how many leaders have fallen? I'm talking giants in the faith. This, 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 this is talking to me. It's, it's talking to my wife. It's talking to every one of you. All of us, all of us, not only can be tempted, we will be tempted by the devil. And if you have a marriage that's thriving, he does not want it to survive. He wants to break it apart. And I think about the umbrella, you know, in, in respecting your husband, there's no rejecting him when, he's, when he desires to be intimate. In, in loving your wife, there's, not, there's no rejecting her in, her in her time of vulnerability. It's going the, it's going the extra mile. It, it's saying, you know what, I will do whatever it takes to make our marriage better. And intimacy is a wonderful place to start. I don't ever, I don't ever think I've heard it so quiet. In our service. We must be talking about sex. Here, here's my last, my last things. Sex doesn't make a marriage. But it makes a good marriage better. Because a lot of people go into, into their relationship... In the bedroom. That's that's the thrust. That's the foundation of their relationship. That's not gonna sustain you. But a sexless marriage is not a thriving marriage. And let me tell you why. Just reiterate. Because sex and sexual intimacy is a gift from God. And it should not be a bad word in our homes. And we should be talking about it tactfully and respectfully so our kids and our grandkids don't hear about it from the world who will distort and pervert it. So I I listened to this guy. His name is Alan Parr. Great brother in Christ. He's He's a Christian apologist and a and, a, and, a, and a, also a, a YouTube influencer. And he, he, he's, he's spot on on a lot of things. He just really protects the faith. And he had this, um, this uh, part on, on one of his YouTube channels on, on sexual intimacy. And I was watching it. And he, he made an acronym. And he, the acronym comes from the word SCOPE. Well, scope is good for intimacy as well, just saying. But, but from, that, from that word, he identified some things that will help you in your, in your intimacy and in your, in your marriage. And I, and I thought they were good, so I'm going to bring them to you. The, the S stands for scheduling. Scheduling. And I know what you're thinking. That's not romantic. You're thinking uh, it should be spontaneous. It should just happen. But let me ask you a question. How is that working for you? 
Scheduled sex is better than no sex in my book. I know what some of you men, I, I saw that. I mean, I saw you already wrote down 1130. What do you think, babe? And, and if scheduling offends you, how about the word intentional? Being intentional about intimacy. Because here's what I know for sure. Uh, moms at work and, and, and young moms that are chasing kids, you're, you're not even thinking about, about intimacy. You don't even have time to think about it. At the end of the day, uh, moms just want to go to bed, to sleep. So scheduling just says, I'm going to make time to be intimate with my husband, husband, my hubby. And you actually prioritize this important part of your marriage. For, for men, uh, you, you schedule a lot throughout your, your day. And, and, you know, I could be speaking to someone here and you just have so much going on, work, uh, different things. And, and so you're not building intimacy with your wife because you're not investing into her. And sometimes these men want to be intimate, but you haven't done the things that are necessary to, to, to build that relationship. So I would say schedule your, your intimacy, but also be very intentional about doing the small things. Now I'm speaking to myself here. The small things that, that make wives feel better about their relationship. Amen. So, so let, me, let me say this as well. Good sex takes work. Amen. Someone agree with me and say, yeah. <laughs> Everything you do takes practice, guys and gals, if you're going to make it a good thing. Okay? Here, here's the second, uh, the second thing from, from Scope. The C stands for communication. And this is vital for every part of your marriage. But if you never talk about what is good for you in the bedroom or what isn't, how are you going to make it better? The, the, the bedroom should be a place, I'm going I'm to bring a sports analogy, it should be a place of touchdowns. That means you scored. It should be a place of home runs. But you'll never know how to hit the ball without the right signs. Are you with me? You'll never know how to even make a single without doing the right things. And so that's why intimacy is, is, is so important in marriage because you grow and in, your, in, in this wonderful design that God has given us, this wonderful gift, but there's got to be some communication. Amen? Let me, let me say this. It's very biblical to communicate. Look at what Solomon said in Song of Solomon, chapter 4, 5, and 7. Now, this is the Bible, okay? So don't think that I made it up. It says, your breasts are like fawns, twins of gazelles. I don't know if that's what you should tell your wife, but that's what <laughs> Solomon said. Grazing among the first spring flowers, the sweet fragrant curves of your body, the soft spice contours of your flesh, invite me and I come. I stay until dawn breathes light and night slips away. You're beautiful from head to toe, my dear love. Beautiful beyond compare. Absolutely flawless. 
It's the word of God. When's the last time you told your spouse, hey, I just love being with you. I love everything about you. You're beautiful to me. I love that we're able to do this and grow in our intimacy. The O stands for openness. I better hurry. Openness and transparency. If you have ever read, and we just read Song of Solomon, you see the openness to explore their sexual gift. And this is, this is, this is important. This is where you go from stagnation to vibrancy. Because your intimacy should be vibrant, not stagnant. Stagnation will lead you to places where you find vibrancy. That's where people start exploring things that they shouldn't. That's where they start opening doors that they shouldn't because the devil's always going to provide something to make it seem more vibrant instead of you allowing God to, to, to work in that. So the, the P stands for patience. Be patient with each other in your, in your sex life. Don't give up on each other. I said this before. I'm going to say it again. Great sex lives take work, and they also take time. And with Jesus and because of God, your intimacy and your sex life has the potential to get better if you're patient with each other. In other words, don't quit. Know that the devil doesn't want this to happen. And the last one is educate. The E stands for educate. This is very important for Christ followers. As a, as a follower of Jesus, I am called to continue to grow in my learning. In every aspect of life. In everything that brings glory to Jesus. And the Bible is not silent about sex. You know who's silent about sex? The church. So we should educate ourselves in intimacy so our sex life is the best it could be. Not in a perverted way, but in a healthy and honorable one. When we educate ourselves on our sexual anatomy, it helps us to understand our body, but it also helps us to understand our spouse's body. And the more that you educate yourself, the more that you're going to understand the things that are important to that part of your life. So I, I listen to, to podcasts. I listen to, to things that are going to help me that are very, very respectable and honorable. One of the podcasts that I, that I listen to is called The, the Naked Marriage. And it's, 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 uh, uh, the, the founder is uh, Pastor Dave Willis and his wife, Ashley. They actually do this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful podcast. God took him out of a hidden porn life, and he just became, became real and transparent, and God healed him from all that, uh, uh, from that distorted sexual life into this wonderful, wonderful healed intimacy that he has with God and with his wife. And now he helps people to get unstuck. So it's a wonderful place. Um, I put another uh, uh, link on, the, on your outline that could help you from Ellen Parr. And it's, it's just great to educate yourself. Um, but one thing that I'm going to say to close, okay? If you've had sexual trauma in your life, I want to tell you that my heart goes out to you. And I believe that God's heart goes out to you. But I can tell you this, that there's healing in Jesus. Get help. 
Talk to a trusted counselor. Get unstuck so that, you, so that your life can get better, so your marriage can be, get better. If you're having problems sexually in, in your marriage and, and, and maybe it's not tr the, the trauma or abuse, why don't you go and see a, a, a reputable Christian sex therapist? Why, why, why would you want your, your marriage to be crippled or even destroyed? Take a bold step today. Say, Lord, I, 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 I want for you to be in every aspect of my individual life and my married life. If you're here today and, and you're not married and, 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 and you're in that place or you're watching online and you're not married and, and, and you're being uh, sexually uh, intimate, I'm going to say something to you. Why don't you get married? If you're at that place where you've already crossed the threshold, I'm, I'm, why don't you honor God in it and, 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 and take that step of commitment and covenant? Wouldn't it be so much better for the glory of God? I believe God has you here today to hear that message. He loves you, but, but he can't bless your relationship if you're not married. You need to know that. God can't bless a relationship that, that, is, that is in fornication, and God cannot bless a relationship that's in adultery. He can't bless it. That's not who he is. And thank him for that. Amen? Or we'd be a mess. But he heals. He restores. He brings vibrancy. And so here's how I want to close, because I'm done, and you guys are just looking at me like. <laughs> I, want my wife, I want my wife to come up, because we're going to pray together. We're going to pray for, for couples, and we're going to pray for just everybody. And I, I, I thank Jesus. I thank Jesus um, that he brought this amazing lady into my life. I love you too, babe, more than words can say. And God has, we've gone through seasons, you know, we've gone through um, times where our intimacy is incredible and we've gone through times where it's challenged because of situations and stress and finances and kids that are making bad decisions. And so it, 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 it can drive a wedge. But I want you guys to know that we're in this with you together. And we want the best for your marriage because I know that God wants the best for our marriage. And so none of us are perfect, but God does want us to win. Amen? And so, babe, um, you need to bring the mic. Go get the mic. I want you to pray. If you're here today and you want to just, you know, if you stand up, if you're, if you're married, we're going to just pray a blessing over you and over your every aspect of your life. And, I'm hoping this series really, really concreted some things to help mold you, okay? But I want you to stand if you're married. And, and, and maybe if you're in here and, um, and you're even thinking about marriage, you're thinking, I want to take that step, you know, we'll pray over you as well. Um, I know the Holy Spirit will guide my wife because she hears from, Lord, from the Lord, she hears from the Spirit. But just pray kind of a, a conclusion and say whatever the Lord puts on your heart as we close the series on marriage. I think the one thing that I do want to say is that when my husband speaks to you, it's from a life of healing, but never in judgment because we were on the other side. Amen. And even the side of um, trauma, violation, um, 
you know, that part of life, sexual intimacy not being um, shown to us in a, in a healthy way. Amen. But God transformed us and he healed us. And he's given us his word as a guide to protect our marriages. And the awesome thing about God is he's a God of forgiveness. Amen. And so even if we've done it wrong, ask him for forgiveness today and invite him in to your marriage. Amen. To come in and, and give you the marriage that he's in. And you're never too old. Amen. <laughs> and you're never too young. So I'm going to pray. Um, I'm going to pray, God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you so much that you take what the enemy meant to destroy and you turn it around for your good. God, thank you for the healing that you bring into our individual lives. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now for everybody that's in here, you know them, God. There are no secrets. There are no hidden things. You know them inside. Father, I pray for them, God. I pray for those things. I pray for that trauma maybe that they've never talked about. I pray for those issues in their lives. God, that you would bring healing. Amen. And in those individual lives, as you bring that healing, God, that they'll mold together as a couple, everyone in here, and become the husband and wife that you've called them to be. That they'll experience the marriage that you want them to have. And Father, for those that are in, 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 suit, in, in suit of marriage, I pray for them right now, God. Uh, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, but you always move us to a place, Lord, that's better for us. Amen. So thank you for that, God. Thank you for those that you're working in their lives right now and, and taking them to that next step of a marriage. You are a good God, as somebody said this morning, Lord, and you only what's, want what's best for us, Lord. So I pray in the name of Jesus for thriving marriages. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray for your protection over every marriage in here, God. I plead the blood of Jesus. I pray for openness and honesty, God, that there would be no hidden things, Father, but that there would be marriages here today that are focused on you, Thank you for the healing, Lord, that I believe you're bringing. Amen. And some here today that this has been a struggle for them. And I want to say again, there is, there is no condemnation. But God, you always want us to be better. Yes, you do. So I pray for the challenge this morning to be better. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that enables, that allows us to be able to do that. God, I do pray for the ones in here that are single. Let them know how special they are. Amen. And Father, that there is someone for them. Help them wait. Help them be patient. Help them trust you. Mm -hmm. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Let's stand up and worship our King.